Welcome to the Tea Grannies. I'm Elise. And I'm Maria. Today we're here to talk about story scrapyards. This episode will focus on killing your darlings and what happens when you think you just can't. So pour yourself a cup of tea and let's get started. The idea for this episode came out of a very specific thing that I do for every story that I write. So I probably heard about this from another writer once upon a time. I don't remember who they were. I don't remember what they were talking about. Um, and I don't remember what they call their version of this thing. Um, so thank you, dear stranger, whoever you are, you have saved my life. Um, so I create a document in my story project folder whenever I start a new story. Um, and it's a separate document from the draft or any other notes or a style guide or anything that I'm using to keep myself on track. Um, and I used to only create it in the editing stage, but now I do it in the first draft stage because that's when it's the most helpful. Um, so I call this this file, this document, the, the scrapyard. And when I come to a section in my draft where I've written a big or a small chunk of words that either I really like or I feel attached to for some reason maybe because I put effort into them they were hard to get out and then I finally have them so I'm attached to them doesn't matter what the reason is um if at some point I realize that they don't fit into the direction that I'm going with the story anymore um some people will tell you you just gotta cut it you just gotta axe it it's gone forever never look at it again trash it and that's you know that could work I've done that sometimes um and I don't usually regret it but the story scrapyard is essentially a way to save your brain from worrying about whether you'll regret it or not. Um, so instead of just axing that section, just killing that darling, if you don't want to, um, I cut and paste the words and I stick them in the scrapyard and I probably never look at them again, but they're always there and I can grab them again if I decide that I need them. I probably never will, but the option is always there. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, because the sections that I swap over generally stay in the scrapyard. I never look at them again. Um, it's less of a safekeeping spot and more of a brain trick. Everything I do is a brain trick. Um, I don't have to kill my darlings. I can just move them into a safe little box where I can get them again if I need them and move on with my life, move on with my draft until the time comes. The time will never come when I need them again. Um, and it's, yeah, it's literally just a way of tricking myself into continuing to write, into continuing the draft and getting it done without getting hung up on things that oh, I might use it later or it might be helpful somewhere down the road, but I don't really know when. Um, and if the name Scrapyard is too depressing for you, like you can name it whatever you want. That's just, that's just what I call it. Um, you could call it your true art. You could call it the most beautiful thing you've ever done. Um, whatever makes you feel happy and whatever makes you feel better and whatever helps you move on is what you want. But like, trust me, once those words are filed away, chances are you'll never use them again and you'll forget about them. You'll move on and you'll just be a happier person as a result. No, I'm kidding. I can't promise that, but <laughs> um, you won't be clinging to these shreds and pieces that you might be able to twist into your story and create even more work for yourself because you're trying to figure out how they're going to fit when they just like in the end they just don't fit and that's the reality of it so i have a similar ish process although my <laughs> extra scenes usually make it in so the difference okay. is uh i don't i'm not as wordy of a writer so i don't usually <laughs> end up in a place where i have to cut very much i'm always bulking things up so when i get right. an idea for a scene i um if like sometimes it's a scene like for the end of the book and I've got the idea in like chapter two and I'm like, well, I don't want to forget because in case anyone doesn't know me that well, I forget 
everything if I don't write it down. So when I think of a scene that I think is going to be good, I do it right then and put it away. So I use Scrivener to write. So I, I have different like folders within Scrivener and I have one that I just call it like extra scenes or bonus scenes or whatever. And I number the scenes like, and I'll maybe put a note like, you know, for later in the story or after X happens. Uh, but often they're just kind of there numbered because it makes me feel organized. <laughs> they're not very organized. And uh, I will put scenes. So if I do cut something, I will often put them in the extra scenes folder. And then if I go through my edits and I decide that I liked the original better, I can just put it back uh, and I didn't delete it. And I'm like, oh, I don't remember that exact turn of phrase that I'm suddenly very attached to. Uh, it's kind of all there. And this is also where I will write scenes like if I'm stuck, I will sometimes write a scene from a different character's point of view who's not going to be a point of view character overall, but it helps me get unstuck. I've done it a couple of times and I'll leave that in the extra scenes folder. And I often will refer to it when I need a bit of a bump again, specifically with that character uh, or a scene with that character and, and my main characters. So that's kind of a good a good spot for it um, as well. But yeah, like for the most part, my last my sorry my current story <laughs> I'm working on that's about to go up for copy edit. Uh, all the all the extra scenes made it in, and my story before that uh, no. But for the most part, they make it. But that's just because I I really am not very wordy, so I don't uh, cut things lightly because I know I've got to write like double to make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we talked about um, that a little bit in the first drafts about yeah. how you write shorter and I write longer and yeah. <laughs> you bulk up and I have to cut and cut and cut. So it makes sense that our strategies are a little bit different. Yeah, um, still helpful, still good. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking about yours and thinking, oh, maybe I should try that. I'm pretty sure you told me about it before, but it's like hearing it for the first time is like, that'd be really helpful. That's really cool. Uh, you might need like a two two different docs. Like one is your scrapyard and one is your like extra, like maybe these yeah. will work at some point. Scenes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> when I'm actually going to cut a scene, I am ruthless. I'm like, well, goodbye. Mm. I know you're not working. And I just hit delete. And I never think about it again, uh, which is why I really like to workshop your stuff because I can be like, we can cut and cut and cut. <laughs> so ruthless. You can be vicious. <laughs> No, I've never been hurt by your your cutting. I've always asked oh, for it. So that's nice. <laughs> um, it's my skill. I think maybe a maybe a helpful way to frame this too is like um, when you're when you're cutting stuff out or deciding whether a scene fits in or not, and you decide that it doesn't. It's kind of like a form of self rejection, um, which is something we're going to talk about today. So if you want to frame it in that way, that might be helpful because like. Everyone will tell you if you want to be a writer, you're going to have to face rejection, blah, blah, blah. Um, and you're not, often we don't think about it in, in these terms, but you're not just going to face rejection from agents and publishers and the people that you're trying to get your book out to, but you're going to face it from yourself. And like we talked about with um, imposter syndrome and those different things, like a lot of the things we tell ourselves can fall under the the banner of self-rejection. And I would say, my story scrapyard is my safe place for that because I'm not I'm not saying that the writing is terrible and it's a crap scene and um, I'm never going to use it because it just was never good in the first place. That's not at all what I'm saying to myself. Um, I'm saying, yeah, it could have worked if the story went in a different direction. It's going in this direction now, so we're not going to use it. But that's it was still helpful to write it out. If you didn't write it out, you might not know that by the end of it. And, and it's not wasted space. It's not a wasted... Um, 
not a wasted opportunity. But it can be really difficult to know what doesn't fit because the story direction has changed or what doesn't fit because it just needs to be reworked, like telling the difference between those things and figuring out what of your own work to get rid of can be really hard to decide. Yeah, this one's always a doozy, how to know what belongs in the scrapyard. Uh, So the biggest thing for me is, is this scene driving the story forward? Uh, So if it is, it can usually stay. Sometimes I let my beta readers tell me if it doesn't fit. I don't tell them that I think it doesn't fit. I leave it. And if they flag it, then I know it definitely doesn't work. It's a lot easier to let them find it on their own and then you'll know for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, That's smart. Yeah. And with first drafts, like I generally leave it and then I worry if it fits later because you need some time and distance from that first draft before you can really see how it should actually fit together. Uh, And so in that case, if you're not sure, you can just leave it. You can always fix it later. Mm -hmm. If you're very attached to a scene, uh, but your workshop group and beta readers disagree, then you might need some more, again, time and distance to look at it in the grand scheme of things to see if it fits. It's very easy for us to be like, I love this scene, but it doesn't actually do anything for your story. And so if you ask that scene, it doesn't mean that it's a bad scene or you're a bad writer. It just needs Mm -hmm. to be done for the sake of the story sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It might be a really good scene. Like you might love it for really good reasons and it is really well written and it just flows really well, but that, that doesn't mean it fits the overall, overall story, which I think Mm -hmm. kind of highlights the importance between a workshop group that works pieces at a time and a beta reader who reads the whole thing at once. Like those are different kinds of feedback and it's so, so important to have both. Um, but I mean, moving on from that, like my, my biggest, signal for asking the question of like does this need to be taken out do i need to cut the last few pages that can be really hard to figure out and figure out do i not like it because it's it doesn't fit or do i not like it because i'm being my own worst critic and i actually don't know what i'm talking about because that can happen too um but for me personally um i usually know when to ask those questions when i start feeling like i'm hitting writer's block which depending on who you talk to if you talk to me, writer's block is a myth. I don't think it's an actual thing. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a, it's a term that you can use to highlight a different underlying problem. Writer's block as a concept is just too easy of an excuse. Like I'm not sitting around waiting for my creative muse to strike. That's not how this works for me. We would never write anything if we right? waited for inspiration to strike. Like <laughs> Exactly. We would all be sitting around staring at the clouds, okay? And yes. as fun as that sounds, I have work to do. So <laughs> writer's block comes down to procrastination, honestly, for me, or a lack of motivation. It might come down to you don't have enough brain space for creativity because of whatever else is going on in your life. And then maybe you need to take a break, and that's valid, that's important. Take care of your mental health. Take care of yourself first. But for me, most often, when I feel that writer's block, like I just, I just can't write. I just, I'm not feeling it. Um, that is my signal that I've written myself into a corner. I've made my character do something out of character, and it's just not like it's not flowing with what they normally would do, and it's just I'm stuck, or I don't know where I'm going because I don't outline. <laughs> And I've hit the point in my story where I can't fly by the seat of my pants anymore and like I need to know what's going on. Um, So I need to sit down and outline the crap out of a scene or something, which I hate doing. So I put it off as long as possible. Um, But usually if I've I've written myself into a corner, if that's what's happening, it's usually in the first draft stage. And it's one of the only reasons that I will ever go back and edit 
during a first draft. Like I don't want to get caught in the trap of revising, revising, revising and never finishing my story because I'm constantly revising the first few chapters. So I usually just plow through. But if I write myself into a corner where I just, I can't move forward anymore because it's, it's not coming. The character doesn't seem to want to do what I, or when I try to make the character do something, it just doesn't flow. It doesn't seem to work. Um, that's when I look at it and think, I may have to go back and fix this or put a note in to say I'm changing direction and then just keep writing from that new direction even though some things will be missing or fractured. You can go back and fix it later or a couple of times I've had to completely scrap 10 to 20k, 10 to 20,000 words and rewrite them all again in a different way more than once. Like Roots of Blood, my book that's coming out this month. Um, the ending that I wrote, I'm pretty sure I rewrote 30,000 words towards the end four times because it just didn't work for me those four times. And then I finally found something and had to fix it up. But yeah, I had to scrap a lot and I didn't keep all of that in a scrapyard, but that's usually when I find the scrapyard is the most useful because I'm writing all these words. I'm like committing to a direction. I'm committing to a scene or an idea. I want to write towards it. It's going to take me a few chapters to get there. And I might not realize that it's not working until I've already tried. So then I'm left with all these words and I need to get rid of them and do something else. And that's when I will cut and paste that whole section, all those beautiful words into my story scrapyard and forget about them. Like that's how I get rid of them. Um, That usually happens to me around the 50% or the three quarter mark in the draft when yeah, I did an outline, so now I have to think about an outline. <laughs> and and then I ha- at, at that point, if I have something that I think is going to work, that's when I do a ri- very rough plan. Like if you're not an outliner, like I'm not, if you are, you probably don't have this problem. But if you're not, you don't outline, um, this could be a good place to have a very rough idea of these are the beats I want to hit. I don't know when exactly I'll hit them. Maybe I don't even know what character is going to hit these different pieces, but I need to solve these problems before I get to this point in the story. Um, and yeah, that's when the kind of playing around, writing it out, scrapping it happens for me. Um, Maria, I don't know if you have to do that because you say that you write less and then you add more later, whereas I write more and then I cut more and that's part of my process. So I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Sometimes I've had to rewrite sections of scenes. Um, Earlier, like when I was a newer writer, I would have to rewrite big chunks because they just sucked so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Now I feel like um, I get to know my characters a little more at the start Mm. and that has really Mm -hmm. helped me. So I will sometimes change change things and um, sometimes, yeah, I'll just scrap like whole sections and just rewrite it the way I want it. Another trick that I do uh, if I'm if I'm rewriting something, but I don't want to like, uh, I want to keep it sort of similar, but I'm changing a few things. I will just write like ahead of it and just keep the old one um, mm. underneath so I can keep checking back. And then yep. I slowly delete sections yep. and I work my way down until yep. I get to the problem area. And then I can look at the original, why it was a problem. And then I can look at my new piece and go, okay, how am I going to do this? Uh, but mm-hmm. that usually that usually comes later. Yeah, like first drafts, I'm very mm-hmm. much like getting to the end and I will have the extra scenes. Uh, but yeah, that usually ends up becoming second draft problems for me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, like that process that you explained of like 
keeping the problem area below and writing over top of it and deleting as you go that I usually do that in first draft and then I continue to do it in second draft and third draft and yay it works really well like when I I took yeah. a long time to start doing that and I was like man mm-hmm. where has this trick been all my life this is so much easier than like going back and forth into docs and like oh where was right. I and, oh what was so bad about that anyway when I'm looking at it the whole time I'm like oh yeah I know what I'm gonna do to oh, fix yeah. you now <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And I can't emphasize this enough. Like those words aren't wasted. Those words, that time is not wasted. You may feel like you've wasted your time and you've wasted work. You've wasted that effort, but it's not a waste. All those words, whether they're kept or scrapped, are a part of the process to that story and a part of that story. Um, And they're important and they're useful in getting through the draft. And that is the primary goal. So if they help you do that, they're a winner. Even if you put them in a scrapyard. (laughs) They're still there. (laughs) Exactly. And so sometimes you'll get feedback uh, about a scene or sometimes huge portions of your story where it will make you question everything. Sure. (laughs) And you'll wonder if you need to scrap the whole thing or big sections or whatever. Uh, We talk about feedback a lot in our workshop groups episodes, so I'll try not to repeat myself too much here, but... You do have to remember that it's it's often one person's opinion. I think like when the whole group agrees or the majority rules, then I'm like, okay, it's probably a problem. Maybe I got to fix it or rewrite it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but if only one person thinks that and no one else agrees, I tend to disregard that opinion. And this happened recently. Um, I think there was only, there were six of us in, in our group and uh, four, four loved a scene and one person was very adamantly against it. And no one else agreed. I had a couple people that don't uh, write. They're just like my friends. I had them read the scene and they said they didn't agree. So I was like, okay, mm. it's it's obviously fine, right? Like I'm giving you this mm-hmm. advice and I'm saying this right now. But when it happened to me, <laughs> uh, it upset me so much that I wondered for about a week after if I was making the right decision. And oh, okay. I, was, I was thinking like, should I scrap that? Should I take their advice? And I ended up going back and reading that scene like about a month later when I was further into my edits and I went, no, it is fine. It's totally fine the way it is. And so that you're going to run into that too, where someone thinks it's not important to your story, but you have to remember it's your story and you know it better than they do. You're going to have to stand your ground with a scene that you know belongs, even if someone else doesn't agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would follow that like majority rules in most cases. Sometimes I'll have feedback where one person flagged something, nobody else flagged it. But in discussing the feedback, a couple people were like, oh, yeah, I did notice that. Or yeah. now that you say that, that does resonate with me. And like you can always take that with a bit of a grain of salt because like we were saying with... Um, with sending stuff to beta readers before. If you flag something, all they're going to be thinking about when they read Mm -hmm. that scene is the fact that you flagged it in the first place. So it might not be their natural reaction. So do take that with a grain of salt. But at the same time, like I do try to weigh even individual comments quite heavily and just be like, is this a valid point? Mm -hmm. Um, Considering whether the person reads in my genre, considering whether they write in my genre, um, and considering the rest of their feedback throughout the piece can also be helpful as well, because then it just kind of can show you if they might just be having a bad day. (laughs) They might. (laughs) And it does happen. It does happen. It does. Yeah. (laughs) I can say it's happened for me. There's sometimes Mm -hmm. where I'll send out feedback to, to our group and be like, hey, guys, this has been 
a tough, tough week for me. So if my comments seem a little off, a little scarce, <laughs> um, that's why. And I try to flag that. It doesn't happen super often, but I want to give, you know, leeway for that to happen to other people too. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing that you mentioned that I wanted to to pick up on was just getting that space, getting some distance from negative feedback. Because if you try to deal with it right away, sometimes if you're too close to it, too attached to it, you've just finished the draft and you're so excited about it or whatever it is, um, accepting negative feedback, accepting criticism can be extra hard just because we're so we're so attached emotionally and we just want to protect our baby. Um, so getting that space and distance can be really crucial. It's very important. Um, and we're just not in a great frame of mind to think about it. So taking a break, coming back to the comment, that's not a failure, that's not a concession, that they're right and I'll never be good enough or anything like that. Like you can leave it for a while and all you're doing is saying, I'm not in a frame of mind to receive that right now, but I'll come back to it when I feel more grounded and focused and I'll reevaluate. And I may end up disregarding it entirely and that's okay, but taking that space when you know you're not ready can be a lifesaver. And sometimes a story just doesn't work out. Um, and so I usually do a few things before I throw in the towel. Uh, so the biggest one is to take a break. Like we've touched on time and distance a couple times mm-hmm. in this episode. And that is actually really important. Like some projects yeah. I've taken some space from and then gone back to it and been like, no, no, I do like this. Like I was just going about it the wrong way. Um, mm-hmm. And then I go ahead and it gets better. Uh, another thing I'll do is I'll write something else. That helps a lot to like write a short story, write a whole other project if that's what you got to do or read. Reading is great for this. (laughs) Like pick something that is similar to what you're working on. Like if you're writing like a Greek mythology story, like pick up um, like a fantasy based like Greek mythology type story and see if that can um, kind of you'll be able to go back to your draft with with uh, more information and and you're learning when you're reading too so you'll have more experience so to say when you get back to it so you can also send out pages for feedback uh, this can reinvigorate your interest in your story and it can also show you why it's not working and that will help you determine if it's worth throwing out or if you just need to change something uh, a lot of the times the mistake is a few chapters back <laughs> When you get to this mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. it's usually not in the page you're staring at right now. Like this isn't working. It's a it's a ways back. And then once you find it, you can usually salvage it. Um, and if none of that works, like again, just put it away, like shelf it for now. Maybe you're yeah. not ready to write that story. I've seen people say that where they go, I've got this wonderful idea and these characters, but I don't think I'm a good enough writer to bring it to life yet. And it's mm-hmm. probably not true. You probably are good enough. Um, And, you know, your first draft's never going to be perfect, but sometimes, you know, you aren't ready to write that idea and you can put it away. You can write it later, write something easier that comes more easily to you and then come back to it another time. Yeah. You might just need to take the break to develop the confidence to know that you're a good enough writer to do it. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And that's, that's totally valid. Um, And like you were saying, consider that it might not be the whole story. If it's not working Mm -hmm. out, it might not be the idea that's bad. And likely it's not the idea that's bad. It might be the idea is not quite flushed out enough, but likely it's not the idea at its core. So mm-hmm. when you start what when you start thinking about, okay, why isn't this working? Like you said, go back, 
because it's probably mm -hmm. not the page that you're working with. It's probably a few pages back, yeah. a few chapters back where things started to, to twist. When did things get choppy? When did they start getting hard? How long have you been struggling through writing scenes? How long have you been struggling to get that word count up? Go back to that point. And then I'm just going to throw out a few questions that you can consider um, that might help you get to the root of the problem um, or might help you think of other questions that will help you get there. So like, um, did I do something at some point? Did I write something that didn't suit a character's personality? That's a pretty big one for me because mm -hmm. I might suddenly decide that I wanted to go a different direction with a story. So I might suddenly like flip a character 180 and make them somebody else. I've done this with a character and I pretended it was a nice twist and it was like so unexpected and wow. And then when I got feedback on it, it was like, you just completely changed this person and it it threw me off so bad that I don't want to read anymore. Like, what are you doing? So... <laughs> <laughs> that's happened to me a couple times. So that's one of my biggest ones is what have I done with these characters and am I being consistent? Is this something that mm -hmm. they would actually do? And if it's not, do I need to add in something that changes them that makes them willing to do it? Or do I need to revise that character entirely? Or something else you can ask that's not so character related is did I add a plot point that's too construed or is it too random? Or did I just throw off the storyline too much and it doesn't fit what, where I was going. It's too much of a subplot that just doesn't fit the mm -hmm. context. Um, too much of a side scene that may be really cool on its own, but doesn't really fit the direction currently and just kind of throws things off or takes us on a tangent and then we need to get back and it just might not fit and that's okay. Um, and my last one is, have I, have I plotted out the next few story beats? Have I tried to outline a little bit the direction that I want to take the next few scenes or the next few chapters or whatever it is? Do I even know where I'm going with this? And I mentioned that before, like I don't outline. So I get stuck on this all the time. It gets me over and over because I refuse like an idiot to plan things out. Um, but when I get stuck, <laughs> that's when I start to outline. That's when I start to do it. I start to plot out. Me too. <laughs> yep. That's the only time yep. I outline. Like I got to not even the halfway point in the first draft of the current story I'm working on. And I went, ooh, mm -hmm. I better plan out the end or I'm going to screw up the whole second half of right? this because I need right? to know the end. And so I actually plot, we brainstorm the ending together. And weirdly mm -hmm. enough, through multiple drafts, the beginning and the end stayed the exact same, but the middle has changed a lot. And if I had yep. not plotted out the end, I would have just shot myself in the foot. It would have been the worst thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think we talked about that in, in first drafts. Like my biggest thing now is I want to know the ending before I get there. I want to know it mm -hmm. kind of at least by the 50% mark. But if I could figure it out sooner than that, the sooner the better. If I'm not going to plot out anything else, I at least need to know where I'm going. What is the end? <laughs> yeah. So, and then as you said, if those questions, if the, that process, it still doesn't save the story for you, take a break from the draft, put it in a drawer, don't think about it for a while. That doesn't mean you're trashing it. You still have it. You're not, you're not deleting the file. Please don't do that. Um, but take a break, set it aside. If that still doesn't get you ready to get back into it, it's probably time to kill some darlings and then, you know, maybe work on something else for a while. Just take some distance. <laughs> yeah, killing your darlings is pretty hard. Um, mm -hmm. And this is one of the tactics that I use because I am like so good at just driving up the tension and then I don't pull the trigger. I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to. Oh, I like them too much. Poor character. Yeah, poor, poor character. character. <laughs> I can't do this to them. Uh, like, they're not something I came up with in my mind. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> so I kind of lie to myself. And I tell myself, I can always change it. I can always make it 
not so bad. Uh, and then, you know, so I tell myself that and then I'm able to write what needs to be written uh, and then it ends up being good. And then I, I get this like kind of evil cackle going on and I'm like, oh no, it can stay like this. This is excellent. <laughs> oh, the brain trick. Yeah, you can totally talk yourself into doing stuff. Um, and I've noticed that the more I read, the better I am at pulling the trigger because mm. one of my biggest pet peeves when I'm reading is amazing tension, great buildup, and then the author pulls out at the last minute. Feels like such a cheap shot. And like, I used to do it. So I'm almost extra disappointed because I'm like, I'm not even published yet. It's okay if I'm still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this bestseller doing it? Did no one catch this in the editing phase? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and oh, I recently man. was reading the third book in series, and it's a it's a do not finish for me because there's a few things I didn't like um, that weren't being done well. But the biggest thing was the buildup of tension and then just no consequences, and that really kind of ruined it for me. And so yeah, like um, sorry, back to scrapping stories. I got on a little tangent there. So <laughs> I have scrap stories that weren't working. Um, if you can't get to the midpoint or like a quarter of the way through without it feeling like the longest dentist appointment of your life, you should probably <laughs> put it aside. Writing, sh- writing is hard, but it should not be that hard. <laughs> and, uh, you know, fair. we get into uh, like bad feedback, you know, uh, if one out of 10 people think your character is an asshole and that wasn't your intention, but nine out of 10 disagreed, then you're probably okay. Mm. But like Elise mm-hmm. said earlier, don't forget to take individual feedback, you know, into consideration. But if it, if you're looking at general stuff and you're going, oh, I'm going to have to like scrap this entire character because one person thinks they're a jerk and not mm, supposed to be. Yeah. Well, not everyone's yeah. going to like your writing either. Like when your book does get published, you're going to have for every hundred people that love it, you're probably going to have a hundred that don't like it either. <laughs> so. and, and consider too that like that one person, even if everyone else disagrees with them, there might be something else to their comment. Like, yes, mm-hmm. they're picking up on a problem. They might be not, they might not be um, explaining the problem that they're actually trying to get at. Yeah. And you can do a little bit of like digging to try and figure out what that is. Cause they might have a point, but it's not the point that they actually made. Exactly. That and that's, that's what I was going to say. Sometimes you have to dig a little deeper and figure out why and where that started to happen for you. Like mm-hmm. maybe they do have a point. So have a, have a look back with like, you know, looking at yeah. the whole picture and go, okay, well maybe it could be like taken that way. Right. Like everybody yeah. has different life experiences and that impacts how we read. And yeah. um, some people, like I might just scroll past like, or sorry, read right past someone being a jerk because I'm like oh yes jerks are everywhere <laughs> but someone else might not like that right so it just yeah it depends on that too um mm-hmm. and the other thing is you know it, you can fix it you can rewrite it you can scrap it uh the other thing you can do that has worked pretty well for me is you can pull characters from old projects and stick them in a new one so if you write mm-hmm. you're halfway through a project and you like you're like this is not working this whole story's not working but I love this one character well save sure. that character and stick him in another story or write a whole story around that character and you can you'd be amazed with what you can come up with then Mm -hmm. yep that's that's brilliant I think that that ties into a little bit of my process recently um when I was I was I was gonna get onto like scrapping entire story ideas I don't do that very often now but when I was in when I was a teenager after I started writing I used to keep a spreadsheet um yeah yeah, a spreadsheet <laughs> uh, of all the story ideas I have I had ever started up until 
whatever age I was. And by the time I gave up on spreadsheets, because I was not updating them regularly, um, the tally was, <laughs> so yeah, this number is going to be not accurate, but the tally at the time, ab- I had, I had given up my spreadsheet for a little while. It was at, I had 70 different stories that I had started writing. And that can be anything from one chapter to 50. Like, there's a bunch that, I don't know, I wrote a chapter or a scene, and then I never actually continued. But there were also a bunch where I wrote a whole bunch of chapters, and then I just, like, gave up. Um, <laughs> so I had around 70 stories before the end of high school. And... I mean, if you want to guess, you can't. How many of the 70 did I actually finish? 12. 12 of them. 12. That is that is less than 20% if you like math, okay? Um, you nerds. The point, the point of that is not that I'm an absolute failure and that I never finish when I start. <laughs> I'm just going to call you out before the, you, like, tag that on me. <laughs> because... Every word that you write is practice. I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure I got that from Brandon Sanderson. And he had some kind of like limit. Everyone has X number of practice words in them before they actually start getting good. I don't know what that number is. So, you know, you can pick one. Pick one that makes you happy. But every word you write is a practice word. And to me, that's just like every word I read is research for me. Every time I pick up a fantasy novel, that's research. Like, I know that sounds like a brain trick. I know that sounds like crap, but it's totally true because I'm always thinking as I'm reading and enjoying a fantasy novel, I'm thinking about what I like, what I don't like, what I would do differently. Like, it's absolutely research. You can totally, totally coin that. And then just because an idea doesn't turn out or doesn't make it to the final stages, it doesn't mean it's a failure because you learn something from why it didn't work or you learn something from the pieces that did work that you want to keep. Like you said, you could take a character from that and pop it in somewhere else, maybe rewrite it a little bit, and you've got a whole new story. So it's all useful. Um, like two of my most recent ideas are exactly that. I added this idea to a spreadsheet years ago and left it unfinished. Um, it probably should never see the light of day. And then recently I decided to grab a character and to use that as a new idea, which I finished in last year's Nano Remo writing month. And I have a complete first draft of that story. Um, and like, I didn't use the story itself. I used the character, I used some of the backstory and I created something new from it. But if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't have this new draft now. And it's one of my favorite ones. Like, um, yeah, it's become one of my favorite drafts to date. It's giant monster bugs, lost royalty and spicy romance. So nothing can go wrong, nothing. So just because you scrap something as it is now, doesn't mean that you won't ever use it again. Uh, and always keep your old work because you can repurpose characters and ideas uh, as well as being able to see how far you've come as a writer. And that's the tea on Story Scrapyards. All links will be in the show notes and you can reach us anytime at theteagrannies at gmail.com or follow us at the Grannies podcast on Instagram. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to put the kettle on. We'll see you again in two weeks. Happy writing. Happy writing.